to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I a drum roll. Oh, We're in big, trouble. Big time drum roll. That's You're right. the Jewish you sage. You are a drummer. I am a drummer. We could call you the drummer boy. I, I used to play drums in your house. That's true, but we never called you the drummer boy. You know, it's. I always thought it was funny when Alice goes, oh yeah, I can't listen to that music or anything with loud or anything, but she would let us come in and play drums and all the different At least she music. knew where her boys were. That's what it was all about. That's right, because I was in a band with your boys. Hold on a minute. Here we go. Welcome in. Welcome in. I am so glad you're with us. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, thank you. If you're tuning in and you're listening through our podcast, thanks feed. for anybody that listening. Exactly. It's a joy to have you with us on another great podcast of the Jew and Gentile podcast, where we want you to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective. Hey, listen, right now, uh, if you're listening, would you like and subscribe our YouTube page or maybe our Facebook page? Like and subscribe our our, uh, our podcast. Uh, leave a comment. It actually, Steve, did you know that if you leave a comment on Apple and say, hey, these guys, they're an interesting group of guys, you know, or whatever. <laughs> say such I don't thing? know. I don't know. But <laughs> they, they maybe a kind word. We probably have to pay somebody to say that. That's exactly right. Well, we do. We pay them with kindness. You oh, know? okay. <laughs> well, but it moves us up the ladder of the podcast. Where are route. we on the ladder? Where Have we even gotten on the first rung well we have seven listeners so i mean that's true so but how tall is the ladder uh we have to keep uh finding out as we <laughs> I keep producing material but if they like and subscribe we can get a better feel of how many people listen to us so <laughs> let's see wait a minute there which one sounds Aye. better the live one Aye. or the recorded they one? actually are very similar okay so that's pretty uh, good it right. is you all right well we ended a quip with you doing what i thought was outstanding by the way and you wrote a chapter about it in your book and it was a shameless plug during a quip where you talked about three specific leaders who influenced uh the coming of israel as a state and how christians played a vital role in fact uh, tell them how they could access that. I thought it was, even though they weren't, even though it passed already, we don't take it off. People can still see it. Tell them how they can see that. Yeah, so we just wrapped up our series, our FOI Equip series. And remember, FOI Equip sponsors the Jew and Gentile podcast. And uh, we did a, a series of uh, three weeks on Israel's independence and its leaders because Israel is celebrating 75 years since its uh, founding, modern founding, I should say. And um, so we highlighted three of the key leaders that helped bring Israel into existence. And two of them are right behind you. Exactly. We have Eliezer ben Yehuda, um, which was one. And then behind me, if I can get to our—there we go. If you're watching on, on the YouTube feed, you can see give behind a, give me. Give a nice angle for the beards, the two beards that look exactly alike, that, yours and his. There is uh, Theodore Herzl behind me, and then the, our good friend um, David Ben-Gurion standing he on had, his head. he had more hair than you have right now. I know. It's I not know. good. Hey, you're I, one from one balding guy to another. It's just all falling out. It's so, just the way it is. That's life. But uh, we, it was a great time. And if you know, if you're interested in wanting to learn more about Israel's history, modern his, Israel's history, and how it came to be, then I encourage you to go to our YouTube page, our FOI Equip YouTube page. You can subscribe to that YouTube page, and you can watch all of our past classes that we do for FOI Equip. You don't have to just come to the live session. It's on demand. It's like you can watch it whenever you want, Steve, whenever you want. That is cool. And the guy we're having 
uh, as a guest for our next equip class, June 15th, makes me look like I have no energy and makes you look like you have no energy. <laughs> the guy is running on high octane. Uh huh. Dr. Mordecai Kadar, a lecturist, uh, a lecturer at, not lecturist, a lecturer at uh, uh, Bar Ilan University. And uh, he is a specialist uh, um, in, in Arabic studies, Arabic history. He speaks Arabic. He's Israeli. He's Jewish. But he's the guy that you see on TV and Arabic TV arguing about the, the, the need for Israel, the fact that Israel needs to exist, all of these things. So he's going to come talk about the Six-Day War, actually. That's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a great time. So if you want to register for that, you can go to foiequip.org. Hey, Steve, you know we have a text number now that people we can text us We do have 424-444-1948. Hey, this uh, question came in. From area code 214, even though this person lives in Washington State with a Dallas phone number, I like that, with a Dallas area code, uh, this person wrote, yo, Chris, I like this, <laughs> yo, Chris, can a woman be a mensch too? Oh, great question. Th th that is a great question. You know, last week we talked about how to say please in Yiddish, and there really <laughs> isn't. They had to use the German it just tells you a little no bit about word. There's no word. We don't say please. We just say give me that. <laughs> so the the question is about uh, is there a word for females who are a mensch? And the technical answer is no, there isn't. Uh, you asked me about this, and I said, well, the closest thing I could think of is balabusta, which you and remember, Yiddish is not direct translation. It it has nuance yeah. to it. It is a language of nuance. And so we looked it up, and Balabusta, you were so disappointed, had to do with homemaker, well, being a good homemaker. Let's rewind, though, because mensch literally means a good human being. Yes, it, it does. It means a good human being. So a mensch, you know, if you've done something good, a Jewish person, you could be Jewish or Gentile, doesn't matter. But if you've done something good for a Jewish person, you might go, you're a true mensch. A good True, human being. A good human being. And a human being could be male or female. 100%. But, but in the context, at least for me growing up, I used to hear mensch really for men or boys only. But a balabusta, mm -hmm. while technically meaning homemaking, which in our culture, <laughs> that is could be derogatory no, to women. It doesn't just mean homemaking. It means a good homemaker. Good homemaker, which could be derogatory because a woman could say, wait, that's all I get? Yeah. He gets... He's a man. He's a great, He's a great human, human being. being, and I'm a good homemaker. <laughs> but look at that home human being. Hey, you made a nice dinner. <laughs> Fair enough. But in the context, it is used about a woman mm -hmm. in a very good sense, not just as it relates to homemaker. Oh, she, she's such a balabusta. I, I used to hear... My mom talked about it all the time. And your mom was a hardworking woman. 100%. But she would never call herself a mensch. She would love to hear somebody call her a balabusta. Really? Not just in the context of a homemaker, just in general, uh, as a great lady. Oh, you're such a balabusta. But the answer to the question is, technically, they don't use Yiddish speakers, to, in my hearing growing up, never used the word mensch. For a woman, mm -hmm. uh, but Balabusta, yes. So I you take it for what it's worth. If somebody called uh, this person who texted us a Balabusta, 
Don't take it in a bad way. It's I'm not going to. It's a great thing. I, I just wrote back that she's the best. And thanks for being a mensch. And in a, she listens to our equip classes as well. So, but I should correct that and call her a balabusta. We'll call her a balabusta. All right. That's great. And uh, we've got a couple other people that texted in, but one of the, uh, we got a new one here. Ron, who is a messianic Jewish believer from South Carolina is listening as number question mark, question mark, question mark, he says, to y'all's podcast. So he doesn't know what number he is. <laughs> so I just said, you're number seven, Rodden. You're the number of completion, my That's friend. the number of completion. We're now move that number, our seven listeners, however many there are. That's right. So, hey, listen, if you've got questions, what a great question. Can a woman be it's a man? It's a great discussion. If you've got questions, text us at 424 444 1948. Steve, your turn. What for what? The number. Uh, oh, 424-444-1948. Oh, all right, all right. Well, I, Steve, oh, I thought you were asking me, what am I supposed to do? No, <laughs> I wanted you to get to, remember if you say it seven times, it sticks uh, in people's yeah, that's mind. That's right. The number of completion. Do you think people have saved our phone number in their phone? No. <laughs> Not even close. They probably, oh, they're going through the number. I'm getting some tea. I'm getting a Coke. I'm getting some tea. Uh, wait till they get to the I'm main stuff. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'm taking a shower, eating a sandwich. That's right. Whatever it is. All right, Steve. We're gonna, last week, we looked to an article that you found in Moment Magazine about life after death, uh, uh, kind of a Jewish perspective on it. And we looked at uh, Amy Jill Levine last, year, uh, last week. Um, who is a, a New Testament scholar at Vanderbilt University, and how she, she, you know, in that she probably didn't believe much about the New Testament she, at all. She doesn't believe in life after death. Doesn't believe that the Bible's inspired, and doesn't believe uh, she looks at the literature as important, but not the way we do. A hundred percent. But at the end, when her mother's dying, she gives her the spiel: "You're going to see Dad. You're going to see. You're going to you know live. You're going to look beautiful." And her husband goes, where did that come from? You never believe you never believe that. She said, you're right. I don't know. Yep. Just said it. But there's more to this article, which we oh, wanted there's to bring a lot. up. Again, the title is from this Moment magazine, which is significant. Numbers of, of scholars and poets and people of literature. Is there life after death? Jewish thinking on the afterlife. That's what's such a ride. This is Jewish thinking on the afterlife. If you would have asked me about that when I was... In Hebrew school, at my strong belief in a Messiah and in the in resurrection, uh, you go to Israel on the Mount of Olives, all the people buried there, they believed in and believe it. No, they don't now, but they believe in resurrection. So, but these Jewish people that Moment, Moment Magazine has asked, many of them don't. And here's another one. Here's the title of it. There, there's a potpourri of writers. Look at you, potpourri. <laughs> so the, here, here it is. All cats go to heaven. Uh, I'm doing this because Alice, my wife, loves She cats. does love. You know, the first time, I, or a couple times I had come to your house when I was younger, uh, your cat, I'm trying to think of what it would have been. Mitzi. Mitzi. Mitzi comes up, sits down next to me. Turns her back to me and faces the other way, and Alice comes over and she goes, "Oh, she likes you, Mitzi likes you." And I think this is like—I mean, I'm that's, used to dogs yeah. coming up and licking and no, I'm pushing them no, away. No, cats, that's it. They like you. <laughs> if they could turn their back to you, they trust you. <laughs> so Alice will like this one. That's right. So here's the article. I don't believe in an afterlife. She says to me, the unnecessarily clutters up expectations of life and death. 
Because if you expect to be rewarded or punished, you are not behaving according to what you truly believe you ought to be doing in the situation. You're expecting someone else going to give you goodies at the end. What you've got is what you've got. It increases the poignancy. You've given a life. You do the best you can. You do what you must do, what's right for you, and then you wear out and you're done. Mm. Wow. <laughs> this is sad. Yeah, yeah. I simply can't imagine wanting to live forever. I'm 75. I still enjoy my life, but I can imagine a time when I wouldn't. Why would I want to live on after losing so many people who are dear to me? Because even if they lived on too, you can't assume they'd be with you, can you? And I'm very attached to animals as well as people. So where would I be in the afterlife? With a bunch of dead boyfriends, plus my husband, and about 30 cats demanding attention? Hey. Would my cats be in the afterlife? Why would they have an afterlife if I do? Wouldn't they have an afterlife if I do? They're better behaved than I am. That's from Marge Piercy. She's a novelist and a poet. Her most recent collection is The Hunger Moon, New and Selected Poems from 1980 to 2010. I was going to say, what? this is written by, a, I was thinking this has got to be written by, a, like the way it just spills out, you know, am I going to live with my, oh, see my boyfriends and my husband, husband and, and, my and my cats? <laughs> it's just, but the reason I want to read these each time when we have several of them, as I said, you're going to get a diversity of thoughts amongst Jewish people, the chosen people, the givers of the Bible, the the promised chosen people. Mm -hmm. uh, and look at look at where we are. Look at where yeah. we are. Am I it's, gonna, my, it's amazing. It's almost like she loves cats, but she doesn't want to be surrounded by her 30 cats for eternity. You know, that's nope. what she's saying. Or her husband or her ex-boyfriend. It was interesting, though, when she said um, that uh, it makes it makes life count more if you know there's nothing coming. It makes it more poignant. But, you know, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the, especially the New Testament teaches about the fact that what we do now definitely has an impact on eternity and it, we will be accounted for the things that we've done. Every moment is a poignant moment for a Christian because 100%. it's going to be presented. And whether or not your work is something that, uh, what, what does it say in Corinthians where it talks about the fact that it will be burned, you know, and if it survives in its work that was at the Bema seat of judgment. We, You know, there is a judgment for everyone. It's which one are you at? Exactly. And once you're there, you know if there's good news or bad news. At the Great White Throne, which we'll talk about later in our series as we uh, triumph, not triumph, trounce through trounce, Revelation. That's right. Stomp. Stomp through <laughs> Revelation uh, versus the Bema seat or the judgment seat for believers. For believers, right. Two different places, two different judgments. Your work does, your life is still poignant as a believer. And I think that's important because I understand what she's saying. You better live your life to the fullest. Because it's done when it's done. And I think Amazing. to myself, nope, life's poignant because when we stand before Christ, all of these things will matter when we stand before it him. It is very interesting what people think. And funerals are the place to really find out what people think. Oh, 100%. But uh, we're in Revelation chapter 17. We are in Revelation chapter 17. And Chris, Get us out of Revelation 17, uh, Steve. We're near the end here. And, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. And uh, we talked about uh, how the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints uh, and martyrs of Jesus and how this... 
uh, Babylon, this religious Babylon, uh, ends up in this chapter being really trounced by the Antichrist, destroyed. Uh, in verse 15, it says, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So it tells us who who this harlot is. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. So it's going to be raised up the system that's going to be embraced, and then the same people are going to crush it. Mm -hmm. They're going to crush it, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. And Chris, this sentence, I read this over the weekend because I knew we were going to talk about it, and it we often talk about the sovereignty of God, and does God allow things? Does he make things happen? And people say, God, if God is sovereign, then that means he's the author of evil. Well, look what it says. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. Mm -hmm. So God is in charge of everyone and everything for a purpose, for a unique purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. This all has to do with fulfillment. And we talked about uh, Jewish view on life after death. When God chose the Jewish people, he chose them for a purpose, even before he chose the Jewish people. Remember, we talked about it so many times. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, right after the fall, there would be the seed of the woman who would solve the problem that man created, even though God put them in a wonderful place. Man blew it. God could have destroyed everything. Instead, he had a program and plan. Mm -hmm. And here at the last book in the Bible, he is saying, uh, until the words of God are fulfilled, completed. That's, that's amazing. And the woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. That's the point of what this woman is, is that it's, again, we had been mentioning for weeks now, it's the system that has been set up, and ultimately the Antichrist wants control over everything. But it's the thing, it's the city that everybody was looking to for economic prosperity, for lust, uh, uh, to find purpose in life. That's where they turned. And it's not just the individuals who are going there, you know, your average citizens, it, the kings of the world were looking to this city for for lust, for fulfillment, uh, for uh, for uh, economic reasons, and in prosperity. John's day, in John's day, you're describing Rome. Rome, 100. percent This is John's day. Now we fast forward. What, has anything changed? Not one bit. Not not one bit. Except now, instead of chariots with horses, we have cars. Uh, instead of uh, public bathrooms, the Roman bathrooms, which are a riot. If you ever get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> reading a newspaper next to 25 other guys. Yeah, exactly. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> That's your worst nightmare. Ay, my worst nightmare. Ay, <laughs> almost every Jewish person's worst nightmare. Uh, but now we have, in fact, think about it, Chris. Uh, back in Roman days, a bathroom was a luxury. It mm -hmm. was a luxury. Today we count it as a necessity. But it's, it's interesting that for more years than not, uh, men and women had outhouses, glorified outhouses. So the point is, I don't know how we got onto yeah, that, that, but the point, <laughs> I'm waiting. The, the, the point is luxuries. Uh, there was this, Rome was in love with luxuries. Rome was in love with business. 
We're going to see that in chapter 18. Uh, They were always, whatever culture it is, I'm reminded in Acts when uh, you had that situation where the the gal was making money for for a group of people, and she got saved, and the... uh, she was uh this they took satan out of her or the demons out of her and business went down business is always at the center of things and that's what's happening here at the end that we're towards the end now of the 7 year period uh and it's the last of the bowl judgments you know i think people you know we always kind of isolate these accounts in the Bible for, oh, that's in the—we know it's the future, but, you know, you just kind of go, oh, that's the way things were then. But the the human heart hasn't changed. You know, we might have cell phones now, and we have a podcast and all this technology, and we can drive and fly. But still, I I guarantee whatever issues man was dealing with inside his heart 2,000, 3,000, it's the same. It's the exact same. And what's amazing to me is—you know what was coming to my mind as you were talking is— and again, when is he going to stop? Yeah, exactly. In a couple <laughs> chapters. But, you know, I'm, again, for our listeners, I'm not equating what I'm about to say to the text here. I'm just giving an example. But my mind went to when the French president Macron went to China and shook the hand of Xi Jinping, the, 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 the premier of the you know, Chinese Communist Party. And it's amazing to me how he switched, you know, it's, he's balancing his approach because he's looking at the world and saying um, the influence of the American way of life, the American influence over the world, he sees it probably as diminishing. And he's looking around and saying, where is the power? Where is the influence? Where is the money? Where is the, all of the things that we're attracted to? Where is it that I can go find it and make an allegiance to it? And so he's, he's kind of riding the line right now. And what's interesting is that if you notice the values of the Chinese Communist Party and the values of the West are completely contrary to one another, but that didn't bug him at all. You know, we're talking about the enslavement of people in China, slave labor. I mean, all these horrible things that are human rights atrocities, but yet there's a Westerner going over and shaking hands and saying, I like what you have going on here. Why? Because you're attracted to those things and you want to latch yourself onto him as the kings of the world were latching themselves onto this this woman and the beast and latching themselves on for that influence for that power that's what they were hungry for and uh, and and it all is going to change here at the end of chapter 17 and Chris 18. you don't have to use the French president you could use Nike if you want you could use the NBA using China it's yeah. market share uh they will protest Things in the United States, the freest, the, the country that gives the most opportunity, not perfect, but certainly gives the most opportunity that that is preaching freedom and and has opportunity for people to protest freely. And they defend or don't say anything about China as it relates to. To the pocketbook. 100%. That's what happened to the NBA. That's what happened to Nike. It happened. Oh, I have you know, say something way, about Taiwan, and they're going, "Oh, we're really sorry." We by didn't the way, consumers too. Consumers are that way. The bottom line is, you're buying for your family, and something costs X number of dollars, and you could get the same product for less. It's made in China. It's it's a stress 
that all of us make. I cannot tell you how often. I just saw an ad with my wife we were watching over the weekend. It's Memorial Weekend, and we're watching a commercial for a flag company, U.S. Flag. I saw that. And it's made in America. I told my—honestly, I said to Alice— Let's let's buy that flag. <laughs> it's it's they hundred percent. They emphasize. Look, we are imp- all everything is made in America. We make we get the material from America. We put it together in America. We ship it. And guess what? That's a way for me to support America. Now it's it's a small thing. People do read now. There are people who say, you know what? I don't I don't want to support that particular thing because look at who they are right and it's it's going it's going over into beer now it's going into baseball it's going into uh uh uh, retail stores people are looking at wait a minute who's behind this and do i want to support it that's right it's interesting the people who usually are the most aggravated are people they might not necessarily be believers many of them are but they definitely hold a high regard to God and to their religious beliefs, and they're against what to them is anti-God and anti-religious. Which, again, it, you you see those people are often called bigots, and they're put down, and um, and that's why you come. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that's happening here in the United States, but what it was is the system that the woman, verse six, was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. The idea that the values clashed enough that these people were standing in the way of giving whatever everybody else wanted in the world to fulfill their lusts, their pride, all of these things. And remember, they would not take the mark. These are people, I think there'll be some people who won't take the mark who aren't believers. I think eventually they will be believers, but they're people who say, you know what? I'm not doing this. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, this is so interesting, this period of time, and how we can tie it into a future time, see how people respond and kind of mimic it before it happens. We can actually be doing some of the things they're doing, even though we're not required to. I I said boycotting. If you refuse the mark of the beast, you're boycotting the system. system. Right. And you're being marked out. And it's happening now to people. It's it's fascinating. It really is. Can I read the, at the beginning in chapter sure, 18? Sure, really you want to move along, I could tell. Well, I'm excited to be in another chapter <laughs> we don't right wanna, now. We don't want to stomp through, right? <laughs> it says this in uh, chapter 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had a great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She's become a dwelling place for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable detestable animal. It's interesting, Steve, that they're highlighting unkosher. You know, it's a, it's amazing how they— Trafe. Unclean. But isn't it amazing how theologians try to go, oh, this has nothing to do with Israel or the Jewish people, and yet here it's highlighting the uncleanness from a— from a kosher perspective that goes back to the Old Testament. So anyway, it's interesting. I think that I think that's a good call. It says this, for all the nations have drunk the madness, uh, the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. We were just talking about that, Steve. There yep. it is, the, the desire for lust, 
the desire for uh, uh, prosperity. They were getting fat off of um, off of Babylon. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, "Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she is given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion for her own cup." Give her as much torment and grief as glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. You know, Chris, he starts off after these things. And that's an expression that's used often in Revelation. And it it has to do with... First of all, time thing, after what preceded. And then John either sees or hears or both, which means it's a great reminder. John is a spectator. It's like he's going to uh, IMAX movie. Yeah, here. that's a good point. He, he is the spectator. He is able, he is given the privilege of seeing what will take place, even though, remember at the very beginning, what is, what was, what is, and is to come. And so he's aware of what was from the scripture. He's aware of what is, because that's where he is, and he's seeing the future, and he's a spectator, and this is spectacular. This makes anything Disney does, or this angel lights it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally lights it up. (laughs) Look, it says illuminating with great glory. I like the way you put it. It lights it up. It (laughs) John is the spectator, and he is watching. You know, I used to, back in the day, when we first moved to the Philadelphia area, the Philadelphia Phillies on July 4th always had fireworks, fireworks yeah. weekend. Yeah. And it was, when we first moved here, we had, I didn't wasn't aware of where fireworks were, so we, we started to do that. We did that several years. Everybody loves to watch fireworks. It lights up. It's, you see it everywhere. It lights up the skies. That's nothing mm-hmm. compared to what's going to happen in chapter 18. And notice the nations are drunk with the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's, it's just he's a holy uh, he's a holy God as a holy servant and is encouraging believers in this period of time. They're believers here, and they're subject to the same thing we're subject to, being tainted by the world we 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 all are that's it's a I, struggle it's a stress that we <laughs> all have and it's so easy to get consumed if you will with consumer things that's i'm glad you brought that up because it, the, the point of this section of the passage is that it's telling these believers that are living there at this time to escape to get out judgments coming uh, but also not to commingle. And this, uh, Steve, this is the story of the scriptures. It's not just a New Testament issue. The story of commingling in the Old Testament as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's always been that way. T- modern Judaism. When I was growing up, that's not necessarily modern. That's ancient history. <laughs> but all of it, ha- that's what they teach you. Don't get, we we eat different. We worship different. We dress different. We have to be different. We are called to be a separate people. Yet, when you read, look, we're going through what Jewish people believe about death. Some of the things, we've already read two things, both very intelligent, 
very uh, respected scholars, writers, uh, taking a topic that's biblical and giving their own spin to it. Right. Uh, Jewish people are notorious. I, I, I'm an example. Many of us are examples of, of, oh, is this what I'm supposed to do? Forget it. Yeah. I'm going the other <laughs> way. And that's exactly what this angel is saying, lighting up the place. Don't do this. That's right. And it's the same thing that we deal with is, but we've been called to be separate from the world, to look different from the world. And you know, what happens is over time, uh, even in our evangelicalism, we start to adapt to what the world is doing and embracing what the world is doing. And, and I'm not even talking about, you know, music or anything like that. I'm just talking about the actual culture uh, that surrounds us. Um, and all of a sudden we begin to look and we sound and we embrace the world instead of being not people who hate the world. Jesus didn't come, it says, to condemn what was going on, but he brought life. And we should be the life bringers or the, the ones who carry the life uh, through the eternal gospel, as it says in Revelation. But yet what happens is we get consumed by the culture that surrounds us. And it's just that this is a this is a picture of what's going to happen in the future, but it's also a reminder for us today um, not to embrace, to come out of her, my people, it says, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. Because the point is, I think I've said this before, the world is, it's a sinking ship. So are you going to be the violinist on the Titanic and play till the water, you know, just uh, or swallows up the Titanic, or are you going to be the person that's talking about the life raft that's been provided by Christ? Well, you so. know, when Paul wrote his letter to the Romans, you know what he, he testified? He said, that which I should do, I don't do. Hmm. And that which I don't do, I should do. Oh, wicked man that I am. Now, scholars, biblical scholars, try to talk about, was Paul saved when he wrote that, or was he unsaved? I have the conviction he was saved. He mm -hmm. was under stress. The things that, uh, as unsaved, things don't necessarily bother you. When you get saved, they bother you. Yep. Uh, I can give you countless examples of that. Uh, and so there is a, there's a stress now. We, we're talking about that in the church, the bride of Christ. There's a stress in the future during this week of uh, this last week, seven years God calling out 144,000 and two. By this time, the two have already uh, been raptured up. They've been dead and resurrected up. So these 144,000 are still around. They're protected. Mm -hmm. And they're preaching the gospel, and people are getting saved. I don't know how many thousands there might be during this period, but this is who John is writing to. And remember, he's watching all this. Mm -hmm. He's hearing all this. I wonder what he was when the when it ends when this revelation of Christ ends at a great crescendo of a new heaven a new earth we'll talk about that I would have liked to interview him after the fact he must have been wiped out <laughs> what the what, emotions I, all the different things he saw and heard and experienced things that no man has experienced before we we kind we of had him on the Jew and Gentile podcast. Oh. <laughs> he would have said, no, I, I yeah. need more than seven No, he people. would have said this. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> he would have. It, it is interesting uh, as we get to this segment. We'll have to 
postpone the rest. We are in chapter 18. I'm, I'm happy to right say along. we have left chapter 17. We're getting one, we're one chapter away, Steve, from some good news that's coming. But Steve, uh, before we, we uh, get to our Yiddish word of the day, we've got to get through some news first, and we've got some good stuff, so take it away. Uh, we do have some interesting stuff. I, I was looking this morning at the Jerusalem Post, and I was confronted, Chris, with this headline, Deep Faking It. America's 2024 election collides collides sorry with AI boom. Now Chris, this comes from the Jerusalem Post who took it from Reuters. Okay, so it's a Reuters article. But it's in the Jerusalem Post. Yes. That means that English uh readers who are of course it's a worldwide uh newspaper. Jerusalem Post is an Israeli newspaper. And here they're talking about AI. And listen, Chris, this was actually uh, an AI written thing. And they start off with this quote. I actually like Ron DeSantis a lot. Hillary Clinton reveals in a surprise online <laughs> endorsement video. He's just the kind of guy this country needs. I really mean that. <laughs> That's an AI written thing. And they, but with her face. I mean, people are exactly. looking at it. It's exactly. not really her. This though. article is about the. The current rise to AI, which uses images, your voice, and writing, sometimes combining all three. That and means that pretty soon you and I could just go on vacation and we get some AI people up in here and they're just doing the AI Jewish Gentile <laughs> podcast. I think the thing might smoke and, you know, we might break AI if we did that. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the, this, the future is now with this AI. It came so, I mean, I know they were developing it for a long time, but it just, boom, appeared out of nowhere. And now it's a real concern with people, especially the creators of this stuff. That's that's what's so scary to me, is that the very people that created it are the very people that are saying, you probably should be careful of using AI. According to this article, there's a couple things. There have been three times as many video deep fakes of all kinds and eight times as many voice deep fakes posted online this year compared to the same time period in 2022, and it's going to be used even more. Um, it goes on to, in total, 500,000 video and voice deep fakes will be shared on social media sites globally in 2023. Chris, we won't be able to tell That's what's kosher and what's trait. Forget Russian interference. I mean, this is AI interference. I mean, these people will be making deep fakes and people won't know what to. I mean, of course, Hillary Clinton would never endorse Ron DeSantis, but it does create a situation with social media, AI, all of it. 100%. The Republican National Committee in late April had a 30-second ad which the RNC disclosed as being entirely generated by AI. Now, that might not necessarily be bad, Chris. We know that on your own iPhone, you could get your own AI app that could write poems, that could write letters, that could... And, hey, there are people right now, couples, using AI to write to write their wedding vows. Yep, 100%. And there are people, Christians commentators who are who do marriage ceremonies who are concerned about be careful what it writes do you believe <laughs> do you believe it or You're, not it's crazy creativity is going out the way we're just gonna say hey computer do this for me <laughs> and it's done it's crazy well you, you know, downloaded it on your phone I recently did because i talked to you about it uh, listen i i've actually i talked to my son about it they're using it he's a high school teacher 
I asked him how he's able to differentiate, and he said he isn't always able to do that. Uh, but they're taking courses now and seminars on on dealing with it. But it is it's just an interesting phenomenon that is happening, and I'm not I'm I think the technology is ahead of how we can do it. But let's go back to Rome, Chris. Rome didn't have AI; they had slaves. That's right. So it's it's still no different. You had back then slaves doing everything for you. A uh, uh, guy would get up. He had slaves. They dressed him. They brought his food to him. They worked for him. He didn't have to do any labor. All he had to do was lounge around the the rich ones. Now, AI. Do you realize there was an article? Three hundred thousand jobs at fast food places are going to go out the door because of AI. Will you miss that? Will you miss the work? Do you? Do, I no. always wonder. You know, they might. The AI might be nicer to me. Uh, <laughs> Except for Chick Fil A. Oh, I think they'll be more efficient. But listen, where people? I got started at a fast food. Of course, uh, at a fast food place. Um, it, when I managed a fast food chicken place, the number you one, managed it. I managed. Oh, it. I oh, didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I was in college and I managed Chicken Delight. Don't cook tonight. Call Chicken Delight. <laughs> And at 424-444-1948. But you know what the problem was back then? Employees. Yep. 18, 17, 16 years old who were working who said they would show up and they don't. The AI people have already said 50% of the time the employees, human employees, do what they're supposed to do as they have a you know a list of things when an order comes, how to say it, what to say, and etc. Trying to add on to the order. You know what, what AI does? A hundred percent. Yeah. The point is, uh, from this article, again, in the Jerusalem Post, America's election is in trouble. <laughs> big time. Big, <laughs> big time. Big time. All right. Well, the next one, Steve, is uh, something to be talked about. It's um, This comes from Jerusalem Post as well. Israel's Knesset to hold Judicial Selection Committee vote on June 14th. The committee will be required to appoint a woman to one of each of the roles, including justices, Knesset members, ministers, and bar association members. The, conf- the confidential Knesset vote to choose um, the legislature's two spots on the Judicial Selection Committee will be held on June 14th. Knesset member M.K. Amir Ohana from Likud, that's Benjamin Netanyahu's party, announced that late Monday night at what could be a crucial mo- a moment in the ongoing talks at the president's residence between the coalition and the opposition over the government's proposed judicial reforms. That's a, that's a mouthful, Chris. Why don't you just tell them? We had a an editorial written by some guy named Chris Katolka oh, yeah. about this, and you can dr- let's drive them to that issue. Do you remember what issue it is? Well, the big the big uh, uh, situation right now with the judicial reform boils down to two big problems in Israel's Supreme Court and how it's made up, in my opinion. Other people might disagree That's with right. me. That's right. You wrote an editorial It was an about editorial. It. That's right. And the, the point was that, look, it, it, you know, right now, the way that, the, that uh, 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 a um, vacancy in the, in the Supreme Court is filled is that it has to, number one, a, a nominee is brought forth by the president of Israel, who isn't really even elected directly by the people. They're elected by the representatives of the Knesset, but that's a whole group of people. He's removed from the individual. So that's number one. Number two, then there's a a committee of 
of uh, people who choose who, you know, whether or not this person is going to be a good fill for the vacancy in the Supreme Court. Um, that's one big issue, you know, because it kind of removes the voice of the people from selecting a Supreme Court. Just in America, you know, you actually have two options. The president nominates somebody. So you, the, uh, the president is directly elected by the people of, of America. The electorate speaks. And then the, the Senate gets the opportunity to put forth and to approve the appointee. And they're not, they don't always match parties. No. Nope. Senate could have the majority of one party that's different from the president. You have a lot of give and take. It's a political kind of thing. But the, but the Supreme Court justices don't pick themselves. They don't. And that's the thing is that within the Israeli system, the president nominates. And again, he's kind of removed from the electorate. And then um, there's a judicial bo- a committee not, not the Senate, not the prime minister, a judicial committee that makes the choice. And that's the reason why, honestly, the Israel Supreme Court has looked politically much different. Not that politics matter in, in the courts, but that they looked completely but different. But it does matter, Chris. Because we would make the argument that Supreme Court justices in the United States, while always saying they're not political, we know some lean to the right Uh uh, the last uh, Supreme Court justice was leaning far left. You read her. If you read her cases, you knew which way she was going to go most of the time. Not all the time. The same thing, the uh, previous woman who under the previous administration came, she leaned to the right. They, it, there is a view of the constant in the United States of the Constitution. Similarly, the way the Bible is viewed, is it a living document or is it the way it was intended when it was written? Mm-hmm. Chris, you and I are biblical conservatives. Mm-hmm. We believe that the Bible should be interpreted by the text itself, when it was written, to whom it was written, and is not a living document. Uh, there well, are, it's living, but it's living well, it's, it's, in it's, its literal form. It's, it's in always in its literal form. We right. take it literally. Yes, it's living. It's alive. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. I just don't want to get texts, that's it, all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I need it to be corrected. But in politics, in our country today, there's right-leaners, and there's left-leaners, and there's people who are diplomats right mm-hmm. in the middle. But the it, how is it viewed? I think that's really important. And as we look at this, look, we're in America. We have opinion. Oh, do we have opinions? Yeah, and the, the you're whole, a Gentile with opinions. I'm Jewish with opinions. Well, and, the, and the Israeli uh, political system is vastly different than the American political system. Very you know, different. Over here, we have three uh, um, uh, branches of government. We have the the the, the executive. Exa- we have the legislative, and then we have the judicial, and there's a balance of powers among them. In Israel, it is different. The prime minister is a part of the legislature, so there isn't a separation of power there. And, and uh, the Supreme Court, the problem is who is the one that's in control? And the problem is is that when the legislature makes a law over there, the Supreme Court can kind of just rise up and go, well, we don't really know if that's a good law or not. And, they, and then they go, all right, well, what law are you basing that? Well, there really isn't a law. We don't like it. So based on reasonableness, that's what they say, we're not going to let that happen. And I was reading that the Supreme Court shot down 22 Israeli legislative laws in a, in a course of 30 years. So you have to imagine people elect people to make laws, and then the judicial branch just comes in and says, eh, we don't like it. Shut it down. 
that's not really the that's not healthy. So there are two big reasons that they're doing this, and this is the they're they're aligning the, the these two big issues to try to change the judicial reform. And it so, hit a nerve, Chris. It definitely hit a nerve um, among a lot and of people. So yes. No question, it is something that the Israelis have to decide. But you did write an opinion piece. D- um, I Well, at the end of the opinion piece, which you can read at IsraelMyGlory.org, which I hope you do, it's called uh, Who Rules the Roost. Um, at the end, I say, no matter what the choice is, praise the Lord, democracy is at work in amen Israel. Amen and amen. We got one more piece, Steve, and I don't know if you want to highlight I, I that one. I think you should do it. All right. The other one, if I got to get it up here now, the other one has to do with, with Rabbi Edelstein. That's right. 200,000 gather. This is another J-Post. 200,000 gather as a senior ultra-Orthodox Rabbi Edelstein is laid a to rest. A hundred years old, Chris. He was a hundred years old. And the picture in the Jerusalem Post is black hats. As far as you can see. As far as you can see, black coats. It just shows Israel is a considered a secular state, but it it is complicated. And this shows a hundred-year-old rabbi who is, he's a big mocker. He was a big mocker. He had thousands of people follow his every word. He was the kind of rabbi that in the Knesset, the very religious people, before they voted, would consult with the Rebbe. That's, that's amazing. It's amazing to think about, and that's why I think it's important that our listeners try to—Israel's a complicated place, and uh, the rabbi was, he was a, great say, a great sage. He was a great sage. That, it, Me? Nah, I'm that, chopped liver. Nah, but he, you, have, you have the Holy Spirit, my friend. That's that right. That sets you apart that, that big does. time. That big does. time. That's All right, Steve, here we go. All right, Chris, I got to be very careful of our Yiddish word for the day. We had a, a, a woman who was drunk with the blood of the saints, and we had in chapter 18... There was, they were drunk with the luxur- luxuries they had. And so the Yiddish word is for drunk, shicker. Shicker. Candy. Shicker. Candy is dandy, but liquor is shicker. As they, as I read online about it, shicker means to be drunk. And drunk. So they were shicker. drunk. They so were drunk on the heart. Last week we covered the shiksa, riding the, riding the horse, right? Riding, riding the beast, rather. Riding the beast. So the shiksa is shicker. <laughs> no, they're shicker on the shiksa. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, that's great. All right, everybody. That's our Yiddish word of the day. Shicker, right? Shicker. Oh, yeah, I got to be careful. Say it slow. I'm going to stop right now. Hey, everybody, text us, 424-444-1948. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to go to foiequip.org, and there you can register for our upcoming class, June 15th, Thursday night, 7, 730, with Dr. Mordecai Kadar talking about the Six-Day War straight from Israel, Steve. He's going to be meeting with Amazing. us. Amazing. So it's going to be a great time. Be sure to join us on that. Hey, thanks so much for being with us, and we will see you next week.